It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Episode 429 of the Pancakes and Power Slam show, ladies and gentlemen, features former Ring of Honor television champion Shane Taylor. Bit of a serious topic today. We're going to talk about some racial issues going on. He's got a lot to share. It's going to be fun, though. PNP Nation, Wrench Mob, let's go. Nation, are you ready? Wrench Mob, are you ready? All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know how we do it in here. Without further ado, Pancakes and Power Slams, episode 429. 
Let's go! Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all know what time it is. It's that official time. Where we take this worldwide. Let's go! Listen, listen. So now it's time to turn it up. Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up. We all up in your area like landscape. Definitely bringing you the pictures. It's a mandate that you tune in. It's time to move out so we can move in and recognize that this is no illusion. I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion. It all started off in the book of Genesis when Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis. And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him, he touched his hip, but he really couldn't devour him. And from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game. So now we got to change. Lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh, turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh, turn it up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, episode 429, Pancakes and Power Slam Show. We have a lot to talk about tonight, um, and I'm very, very pleased to share a few of those moments uh, with my guy. Um, he's been on the show twice, I think, already, um, but of course, that was uh, wrestling-related, and um, we're going to have a good conversation today. Um, I just want him to share his thoughts about how he feels about everything that's going on right now. There is quite a bit that's going on, and I want to bring him on to uh, to have his kind of just kind of say. You know, we we I get a lot of um, people that listens to the show a week, uh, typically between four and six thousand uh, listeners a week. Uh, so I have a pretty large platform. Um, for him to to do this, of course, Ring of Honor has is is a huge platform. It's global. <laughs> it's uh, all over the world. Um, but I do want him to uh, uh, use my small platform just to discuss this matter. Uh, we we discussed it uh, a little bit uh, on social media, uh, but I, I definitely uh, appreciate his input and I appreciate just his contribution to um sharing it with uh with me and, and discussing uh the matter with me so yeah we, we we there's a lot going on right now with george floyd and then you know um you know uh i'm, I'm really big and you know I'm, I'm in ministry and there's some some pastors with Freudian slips right now that uh we're trying to clean up so it, it's a lot going on right now so without further ado let's bring my guy on shane taylor how are you tonight sir I'm good, brother. Thank you, man, for having me on. Awesome, man. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, for those who, like I said, I, I shared before, we, we you've been on the show a couple times. We've talked wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've met. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and uh, met you in Express Live. You and my 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 good buddy uh, Ronnie, and uh, 
so yeah man i you know we we interacted uh you know we're facebook friends and so we we interacted a bit uh just about the george floyd situation regarding Mm -hmm. the rioting the looting and um, I'm just I, I just really kind of want to open up the platform just to get your thoughts on just everything that's going on and how you feel about it. I do want to use this platform as a space um, just for, you know, people like you or uh, who are big names or who are, you know, notable names and within the pro wrestling community and is, you know, mm-hmm. a black male. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to open this space up for you to just share your thoughts, man. So so go for it. Uh, appreciate that. And obviously the things that are going on in the world today are so much bigger than wrestling. Um, and it, it's crazy because we're even to begin with all this, you know, obviously, um, the spark to this fire was the George Floyd situation in Minneapolis, excuse me, in, uh, Minneapolis. But we, we all know that, you know, this has been going on for decades you know you know for generations this was kind of just one of those things that was the last straw is what it seemed like and yeah. you know i didn't want to watch the video for the longest time because i feel like as black people it's not good for us to continue seeing ourselves killed over and over again and replaying mm-hmm. that trauma damn near every day like that does something to you Um, and so, but I finally, you know, had to sit down and watch it and the nonchalance of every officer in that video to have hands in their pockets or just, you know, be holding the man down while officer Chauvin is, you know, has his knee on Floyd's neck is just the ability to be so calm while you're taking somebody's life should scream there's a problem in this nation should should scream there's a problem with the system should scream there's a problem with how you know these officers are being trained and and what their actual goal is you know um and the simple fact that you can see so many people while there are so many people who are finally starting to see thanks to social media they get to see glimpses of what it's like for us every day here Mm. um but you're also seeing just how many people are willing to fight to keep a status quo, how many people are willing to fight and try to counterpoint and try to dismiss every real grievance that we have. Um, and it's, it, it's crazy, man, because you would think something so simple as equality should be something that everybody could agree on. Um, but that's this right. is the world we're. This is the world we're in, you know. And now, um, you you've obviously had have had protests for a few weeks now. Um, you've got the police there, you know, um, knocking down old people in New York and shooting children in the face with rub or bullets, and you know, attacking peaceful protesters and conflicting news reports about, you know, who's doing the rioting and then the looting and. Yeah, it's it's and you just see so much hatred being thrown out that, it, you know, it's it's disheartening. And one of the things that we have to remember is we can't allow this situation and this message to be hijacked or, or changed or, uh, you know, 
taken off of we can't let our eyes go from the prize you know and that is obviously police reform but you know finally having a way to get legislation pushed through that really can help us you know uh, close this gap on the racial inequality and the systemic injustice that we have to suffer yeah fantastic yeah i i i echo what you're saying man for sure so i guess my my question to you is to to shane taylor mm-hmm. um what would you say like what all the marching all the protesting mm-hmm. that is that should lead to what uh, in your in your dream you know martin luther king he had a dream to Shane Taylor, your dream looks like what? Uh, first and foremost, I feel as though um, in order for us to stop repeating cycles that we've seen, uh, we have to teach the next generation. And by that, I mean we have to teach them real history. We have to teach them every part of our history not only here in America, but prior to that, you know, um, especially African-American children, they should learn about the kingdoms of of the past. They should learn about, you know, how European scholars came to us to learn the maths and the sciences and to see the technological marvels that we had. They should learn these things, that your history didn't start in slavery. Um, But specifically here, we need to be taught actual history and not the rose-colored Disneyland version of history that they put in textbooks where, you know, slaves were low-paid employees. That's it, it, not how this goes. It's not, that's not what happened. And essentially, um, school books here read like, you know, we fought the British, there were slaves, Lincoln freedom, then Martin Luther King came and everything was cool. Like it's that's not how this goes. That's right. Not, <laughs> right. Right. That's not what happened. It's a pretty know? good synopsis of right. Of course, in our school books, that's for sure. Right. Like <laughs> that's not that's not what happened at all. You know, they they don't teach you about you know how from men to women to children they were raped. They, they don't teach you about um, you know that children were used as gator bait and boiled in oil and they were, you know, strung up for people, you know, as like, you know, as a party, you know, with police escorts and all these, like all these things. And it'd be, we could be here all night getting into all the atrocities that were suffered. Whipped Um, and chained for even attempting to escape. Right. You know, castrated. Go to to Robert E. Lee for that. The the one people held. Man, it is to sit back and wonder why all these things aren't in here makes you question, you know, are we really, you know, are, are we really upset that these things happened here? You know, when you look at uh, how Germany handled um, the Nazi regime in history, they go through every, every detail about how horrific it was. Uh, in order to deter future generations from wanting to repeat those things. Um, They're ashamed of that history. You know, that's how we should be about this, about racial injustice. Like we shouldn't still be fighting 
for the same thing hundreds of years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to be at this point um, and to have there still be so much tension, so much animosity, so many things not done um, only speaks to the obliviousness for most of this nation mm-hmm. uh, to what we really go through. And you asked what my dream would look like. First and foremost, like I said, it, it would be teaching that ed education. Uh, once people actually learn it, then they won't be able to ask silly questions like, well, it was so long ago. I mean, like what was so bad about it? Like it was horrific. If you knew what happened, you'd see why it's bad. And when you talk about timelines, people would know about reconstruction. They would know about uh, the Tulsa massacres, they would know about Rosewood. They would know yeah, about real quick and real quick. The Tulsa mm-hmm. massacres coming from Black Wall Street in 1921. And I think that exactly. is something that needs to be exposed in history. I mean, that exactly. Black Wall Street is a historical movement. You know that that lasted, and 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 I think it is very very important that Black Black Wall Street in the aftermath of Black Wall Street and why Black Wall Street uh, literally went up in flames. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think that should be in every history book because that was such a monumental part of Black history, uh, of not even Black history, but history itself. Right, and stuff like that should be in books. One hundred percent. And you know, there's there's a reason that it's not because we, as as America, love to present ourselves as you know, uh, for for those who are fans of Star Wars, they love to present themselves as the rebellion. You know this this uh, group that, you know, has just overcome all these odds and, you know, it's just been fighting for everybody to be, you know, on one playing field and be together when in in reality, we're not the rebellion, we're the empire. You know what I mean? That's, that's simply what this is. That's Mm -hmm. the truth of it. Um, And you can, and you can say that and know that and not hate the country that it's just, you know what I mean? Like these are just facts. Yeah. Um, and you know they 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 put uh, Tulsa and Black Wall Street into I want to say an H- HBO series Watchmen, and people thought they made it up. Wow! You know what I mean? People thought they were calling in and complaining. They were like, "How could you put this in here?" They're like, "That happened." Wow! That's a fact. <laughs> these things happen, and the reason why you're getting so many people that don't know know these things is because they were never taught it. Exactly. Hell, I didn't learn about that until I'm until my mid twenties. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is well past school, well past college. No one, this was never brought up. Yep. You know, and from from reconstruct reconstruction to convict leasing to vagrancy laws, black codes, pig mm-hmm. laws, to all these things that you know have all these things that make up all these variables into the equation of where we are today. Mm-hmm. You know, people like to sit here and, and throw out statistics like the ghetto just became the ghetto yesterday. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not what happened. Yeah. You know, um, this is, this is planning. This is policy. This is hundreds of years of purposely doing something, purposely keeping people down, purposely, um, taking away resources, purposely pumping in drugs and guns, purposely, you know, demeaning and, and, and beating and killing a culture and a people uh, for the desired result. And the aftermath of that 
is what you get today. Yeah. And of course, you're going to have people, well, you know, if you just work hard and do all that, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there's still some, there's still a lot of personal uh, accountability that people have, but we'd be remiss to try to fix the behavior w- without first fixing the environment. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, uh, the environment has such a huge part to play. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I just finished my dissertation today. I, I just found out that I, my, my last chapter is approved and, uh, thanks man. I, I got my oral presentation. Um, and I'll be, I'll be a doctor, man. So, Thank you. In my forensic psychology field, I, I, I'm studying and have studied in, in, in depth as far as um, forensic psychology when it comes to cultural, uh, mm-hmm. socioeconomic, socioethnic relations and just the uh, uh, just neighborhood statistics, just uh, Redlining, you know, back in 1988 uh, and, and all the implicit biases that come from redlining and the importance of neighborhood policing. But it's funny, it's crazy because in neighborhood policing uh, or, or community policing, um, it, it has statistically um, done so much reduction in crime in high crime places like Camden, New Jersey. Uh, and, and, and Camden is actually one of the biggest high high crime places. But it's crazy. But the crazy thing is, um, there, as far as funding is concerned, a lot mm-hmm. of funding is being removed for one of the things that's actually helping. You know, what I mean, and, and it's just right. for me. For me, it's like from a psychological standpoint, it's like a lot of a community is going to. And and, and you and I, we, we dialogued on Facebook about this. I don't. I don't. I, I hear. I, I heard. And I heard what you said, and I and I understood your lament. I don't agree with looting and and, and rioting. I I think it's yeah. counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I do understand the hurt. And typically, when people are hurt, they either retreat or they lash out. And right. so you know, and, and it's so at this point, it's like I get it. I, it makes me upset. It it, it it grieves me because I want progress. I want forward movement. But at the same time, I do understand that there is a hurt and there's been a hurt. And the, the more people don't recognize the hurt and, and and there's been a lot of progress and a lot of good things that has happened uh, mm-hmm. out of, within the past few weeks. I've had a lot of uh, conversations. I've had um, white friends from from my church. I go to a church that's majority white and a lot of white, a lot of uh, white friends from my church have reached out to me personally i've had dinner with them and they've asked me questions and um you know i'm like you know i think the biggest thing and and they said what can i do to help Mm -hmm. and i said the biggest one of the biggest things that you can do is to inform other people of the implicit biases that still occur in this nation and you know people speak against systemic racism that that doesn't exist that's a bunch of bull crap because Mm -hmm. As long as implicit bias exists, systemic racism exists because essentially, with that, this is uh, it feeds the systemic racism because essentially, when it comes to you know, you know, talking about neighborhoods, redlining basically um, gives people it basically creates a kind of like a big alert that 
that's really a community that you don't want to put your dollars into. You know what I mean? Right. That you don't that you don't want to uh, that you don't want to assist socioeconomically. That you don't want to uh, help socioeconomically. They kind of they kind of have to like uh, uh, kind of like take up the scraps and just kind of do it themselves and see how it goes. You know, what right? I mean? That's how redlining was. I mean, it still is. You know, and, and I think those implicit biases and and the perception of people in redlining areas is is very is very. Uh, low and that's unfair for them and and, and, just, and, and it and it kind of trickles down generationally and I'll, that and with the redlining that's how loans um you know were given and that was a big uh, purpose of loans being distributed loans being approved uh, uh loans were less uh statistically statistically loans are less likely to be approved in the redlining area you know what i mean so all those mm -hmm. implicit biases, if you even go with with college uh, funding, uh, statistically, people are with with a uh, an affluent pedigree or more likely to uh, get a student, uh, get loans for college than someone who uh, comes from a, a, a kind of lower socioeconomic. Uh, they do credit checks for jobs. Why? Why do you do that? You know, what I mean, <laughs> what's the what's right. the point? You know, what I mean, and, and of course, like you said, that the responsibility um uh, individually is important. I'm a big advocate of that. I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm a big advocate of individual responsibility. But mm. at the same time, I think it's uh, ridiculous uh, to dismiss uh, just the, the the issue with systemic and individual racism. Instead, I always say this: if you're ignorant, it's okay, but don't make bold claims or or, or bold assertions based on ignorance. Just say you don't know. You know, what I mean, and just right, and that's question. and that's a pride thing. You know, what it, I mean, it and, is. And, I, it really and is. I tell people, look, I am okay with you being ignorant, like you said. That's just not knowing. Mm -hmm. The problem that I have is when you're willfully ignorant. Exactly. When you have the information presented to you, when you are told these things, and you are given facts, and you are given figures, and you then just choose it because right. of cognitive dissonance or whatever you, you want to call it that. You're, you're just choosing to look past the truth, then we have a problem. Yep. You know what I mean? And, you know, to your point, and for those, you know, who are listening, who doesn't, who don't quite know, you know, how, how redlining comes into play or what it is outside of the examples that my man just gave, you know, essentially it's all based on property value. Mm -hmm. And they get to decide based on that property value, how they divvy up uh, funding uh, for schools and things of that nature. So, if you live in a better area, your school will get more funding as as opposed to living in a worse area, you get less, which you think would be the opposite. Right. 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 Um, exactly. exactly. They would put the money where it's needed. Right. But that's that's just not how this thing goes, because it's a big money grab for all the people involved. Yeah. Um, and with that, that feeds into uh, lower education, lower opportunities, you know, teachers stress to the max. Then you've got, you know, obviously the school to prison pipeline where you can have uh, two different kids commit the same act in school. Um, minority kids, black kids especially, uh, more likely to be expelled. I think two and a half to three times more likely to be expelled or suspended for, for the same thing. That limits your options when you're going into school. Yep. Um, and then that leads to other things, you know, whether if now if you're out of school, you've got very few options left. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're going to do what people are doing around you. You're going to do what people, you know, are showing you that is out there. Um, Especially it, it, if you feel accepted, you know what I mean? Because, exactly. You know, exactly. And that, and that gives rise to so many more problems. You yep, know, it's, yep. if, if someone's 17 years old and get got expelled from school and, you know, there's uh, a, a group of drug dealers that, you know, puts them in the fold and say, you can do this, this and that. There's an extreme likelihood because we live just we are communal beings. You know, I mean, we're just we're just community beings. There's all types of communities. There's the police community. There's a black community, white community. We're just communal beings. Right. And someone would feel accepted because, you know, he feels ostracized and he comes here, you know, he was offered and there's a likelihood that that person will feel accepted. So that increases crime rate as far, you know what I mean? So, and, 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 and all, and, and it's a tree. It, it, you can just peer, peel layer after layer after layer. And right. a lot of the root of it comes from redlining, you know what I mean? And, just uh, the um, the hurdles that uh, communities have to deal with because of being victims of redlining and just overall perception. I mean, just uh, again, it goes back to implicit biases. There's there's statistics that um, in, in Georgia um, that show as far as people are more likely to um, receive uh, funding for college. I mean, there's statistics of uh, people who are um, more likely to receive a job offer because of their name sounding white, you know what I mean? And, and I think there's, there's so many things and these things need to be informed and it, and people need to know about things, th- these things for one, for two, they can't turn a blind eye on them and they should be embrace, bracing the knowledge to understand and share it with their peers. You know what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of times an older white guy, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, well you're just hurt and blah, blah, blah. But if someone is willing to listen, and they mm-hmm. have a and they have a peer of their same color, the same community, saying, "Yeah, you probably didn't need to listen to that because you know I, I had a good conversation with him over dinner, and I learned a whole lot of stuff because I was willing to listen." And let me right. inform this to you now, so you can just kind of open your mind to it as well. So I think for me, that's that's where the growth comes in as far as the education of it and just the willingness to 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 be educated. Oh, of course, and and you know this, it all breaks down to education and ag economics, you know what I mean? When you get high crime, you know, I, and I, I have, and, and you'll get those people, well, how come 13% of the population commits 50% of murders? Like, first off, like, and, th- and this is why I hate stats in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I hate stats with no context because you're, you're just throwing out numbers to make yourself seem right when you're not uh, accounting for the fact that most of that percentage is gang violence, first off. That's not just your average person. Secondly, you know, you're you're not taking into account the fact that all of those go by conviction rate. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to convict poor people than it is middle class or upper class people. Um, and when especially when you're concentrating on one area. You're going to find more things wrong. That It's just yep. those are just facts. Yep. Right. And so when you look and you see that the actions that people take are roughly the same across the board drug use the same across the board yet one group is arrested more convicted more Mm -hmm. they are given harsher sentences you know they are 
um, you know, have a, have then a higher rate of recidivism to go back to prison because of the same things that we just talked about. It's, yep. My dissertation. You know, like one mistake can essentially end your life, and we have to be damn near perfect. You know what I mean? Damn near perfect human beings in order for society to look at us and go, "Okay, their death was wrong," mm. as opposed to us all just being human and seeing that every death it is wrong, especially when you're talking about police brutality now and shooting and killing of unarmed black people. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's amazing and terrifying to see so many people that truly just either won't understand or can't understand yeah. what it is that we're talking about, you know. And I, I I've had so many people that I've had to argue with about why force shouldn't have been used in situations that they're trying to. Uh, justify it in even yeah. with uh, this this latest case that I want to say was in Atlanta again with mm-hmm. Rashad Brooks. Is that it? Yep. Um, yeah, I got shot by police. Right, and it's like you've got, and especially in this. To just go off topic for a second, this is what it just pisses me off so much about you know people like Candace Owens and Hodge twins and the other people that they bring on these these black faces that they you know that they prop up on conservative you know groups or whatever platforms and there's no black people don't have to think in a monolith like because black people tend to be more religious they're going to have more conservative values i understand that this is not a, a conservative a conservative versus liberal thing this is a right and wrong thing mm-hmm. and people that are simply just paid to be anti-black because they are black is ridiculous to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, to sit there and have your whole platform be to trash uh, the struggle of your people to make your entire platform and to make your income by bashing the culture and supporting uh, white supremacy and being the the token black face for it is to me one of the worst things that you can do. That's one of the worst ways that you can make a living. Mm. Uh, and all and that that in itself is just as dangerous as any hate group. It's just as dangerous as the system that we're in because that those voices reach millions. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And ruin any chance of reaching those people, and you're simply just allowing another generation, another group to continue to be ignorant and continue to justify the atrocities that we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the irony of all that being those same people will gladly remind you of who you are the second you step outside of telling them what they want to hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, man. And it's, it's, it's just insane to me that, you know, you have people willing to do that and just completely sell out your own like that. Yeah. When 
you have the ability to be a voice of, of change and bring about the necessary things that we're, we're talking about as, as a community. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that aside, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, it's, it, it's, it, it's crazy. And then you've got different cases now where, um, I, I have to pull up, up the link, but there was a white guy tased both officers and they somehow arrested him and brought him in alive, mm. you know, and that this is, these are the things that cause all this anger because it's like, if you inherently see us as being less than human, if you inherently see us as our lives having less worth, this is why you gun us down in the street, but yet find the ability and the skill set to bring in other people alive. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's 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 part of the issue is not seeing the humanity, not seeing, you know, that our lives should be valued just as much as as everybody else's. Um, you know, we, we we touched on education, but with the police reform, you know, and it's it's frustrating because the Supreme Court just ruled to not review qualified immunity, which is essentially the get out of jail free card for police. Mm -hmm. Um, So that one hurts because that was something that could have really started something to make people be accountable for their actions. Um, And for those that don't know what that is, um, look it up, but I'll give you a quick, uh, quick cliff notes thing. Basically what, what that means is, um, since there are no clear cut laws or, or policies or, um, God given rights as to be like, well, like we'll take the, uh, bottom gene, um, case, for example, mm-hmm. um, they could, they, they could say, well, uh, he didn't have a right to not be killed in his home. So, uh, technically you know, the officer didn't do anything wrong. They were just following orders, this, 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 is that, and the third. Now, we, we, we know the lady who killed him did get 10 years and she got sentenced. But we all know, again, that's an anomaly. That's rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what qualified immunity does. That's, that's how so many of these cases get tossed out. That's how so many of these lawsuits get tossed out yep. because of that rule. Um, and, and to see them not even want to consider that, consider reviewing it in the times that we're in uh, speaks volumes. Um, but uh, getting that changed would, would be a big, would be a big step towards reform. And you see a lot of places around the country now taking small steps, um, incentivizing officers to, uh, if they see something or hear something to intervene, um, to you know try and stop the officer that's that's abusing their power um dallas just implemented a policy where um officers are no longer allowed to draw their weapons uh, against unarmed people um and weapons meaning uh guns not like less lethal not you know tasers and things that sort. Yeah. um but specifically they're you know their firearms mm-hmm. um and that includes, you know, knives and all of that stuff too. But um, it's it's just it, it it's great to see some of these small changes being made. Yep. Um, 
but I just really feel like there needs to be, you know, a, a national and a, and a federal program put in place that everybody would have to adhere to, um, because that's the only way that we're really going to see sweeping change. Yep. I agree, man. And I, I think, um, just from a psychological standpoint, I think, you know, as soon as soon to be doctor in psychology, I think it, you know, starts in the mind. And so I, I I'm, I'm pushing, you know, when I get in the, in the field, I'm going to be pushing for, um, uh, for assessments, you know, for, for quality checks. And, you know, if, if you, um, are coming into, if you're a prospect coming into, you're going to be heavily assessed. Now the assessments are, um, typically there is assessments starting to happen for the, for prospects, but not so much people who are seasoned. And so, um, I'm all for season quality checks. Listen, if you don't, I'm going to assess you as a forensic psychologist. And if you do not pass my assessment, you're going to have to get out those streets for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, because, right. because look, if you are numb to being a first responder and that's what a police is, first of all, they're a first responder. I had a conversation with somebody. I said, you know what, if, if someone gets, if, if, if there's a shootout, and there's a person who's shooting at a cop and the cop end up shooting the person in the uh, in the chest and uh, they are no longer a threat. Are they going to leave them for dead or they're going to take them to jail first or they're going to take them to the hospital first? They're going to take them to the hospital first because their first job is being a first responder. And mm-hmm. so. And so that's what they should do. And a lot of police officers have become numb. And, and I have really good friends. My best friend growing up is, is currently a sergeant here in my city. So I have much respect for police officers. Um, I think the thing is, a lot of the problem is, is that those who are seasoned or those who are numb or those um, who came in just who wasn't mentally ready or capable mm-hmm. to deal with racial relations, who mm-hmm. was raised up uh, a certain way and don't even know how to communicate with black people and they become intimidated by them. You know I mean? Those are all important factors that we should consider uh, when it comes to bringing people on those streets. And then, uh, you know, you have, like you said, those, those immunity factors. And so they can come in being deficient mentally and emotionally, but then they're off the hook, you know, when they commit uh, a crime um, that yeah. shows their mental and emotional deficiency and uh cultural deficiency and so those those things should all be incorporated into making sure that everybody who are out on those streets are Mm -hmm. mentally physically and emotionally stable and capable Mm -hmm. to deal with situations and to deal with different races and not have a bunch of biases and presuppositions because you know if if i was grown up in a certain if i was grown up in a white neighborhood if i was a white male uh, grown up in a white neighborhood had no idea about uh you know cultural relations and how to communicate with black people or if i was told by other people that they're just coming to the earth this is you know a black guy robbed me all those things are feeding into your personal presuppositions and so if, if you become in if you become a part of a uh, part of police and uh, law enforcement if you bar- become a police officer you have those presuppositions in mind and you still haven't had those cultural important discussions with 
the uh, black community to really understand and have your own um, type of uh, uh, kind of judgment or, or, or perception uh, of the community. But you're filled with those presuppositions. You already think that they're discovering the earth based on other people's, uh, uh, you know, uh, situations or scenarios that they've told you. So you're more inclined to say, I'm going to treat this person like scum. I'm not going to respect the life of this person because of my presuppositions. And so you're more inclined to do what Derek Chauvin did. You know what I mean? Like just, just to not even think, you know, the guy was asking for his mother. So he was, you know, he, he, he got to the point that in a part of his video, he was, his, uh, he was crying like a baby. You know what right. I mean? And so he, he was asking for his mother. Because he knew. He, he, know. he knew he was about to die. Yes. And, and it's like, would you continue to, would you have your neck on someone who's elderly who can't defend themselves? Would you have your neck on a little kid who's crying for their mother? Would you have your, would, would you have your knee on the necks of those people? At that point in time, George Floyd was as vulnerable as those two demographics that I told you. You know what right. I mean, and and would you and you still? And he was already and he was it. already handcuffed, and you had three other officers there with you. There was no at, point, at any point in time any of you could have taken your hands out of your pockets and you know helped him sit up or something, and he'd be alive. But you know that that, that again to the points that you just made, you know, um, having those biases and 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 a lot of that can be solved with how officers are put on these patrols and on their beats, you know, because they're changing beats every other week or you, you don't get to know the area. You don't get to know the people. You don't get to know, you know, any of that when you change places so much, you know, uh, and familiarity can be a thing that, you know, helps alleviate a lot of these situations because instead of just seeing, you know, some black guy that you may be scared of, you see him and go, oh, that's Tony. You know, Tony, come on, exactly. man. And that's you know why community I mean? policemen, that's why community policing is so important because instead of the big, right. bad police officer, you're like, oh, yeah, that's off, that's, uh, that's Officer Jones who's playing, yeah, he plays basketball with us every Wednesday. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 they, and they create that type of camaraderie within, you know, even high crime communities that you become one of us and you kind of inspire us to 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 think better, to want better, to 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 yearn, to strive for better, and that's okay. the reason we're more apt to listen. You know, yes. when they when they feel as though they can deal with you and they're going to get a fair shake, exactly, and that you're going to be, you know, that you're going to be on on the straight and narrow with them. Yep. You know, grow, growing up in Cleveland, um, we were taught the same things. You know, what I mean, you're not really going to trust cops, and you don't really have to don't talk to them, you know what I mean? And, and things of that sort. But for the good ones that we had, you know, I would, I would see gang members or anybody else like warn them, be like, Hey, you know, such and such is about to happen. You may want to roll out da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. because we knew that they were rare and we knew that we wanted to help the ones that uh, were straight with us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. you, you, you have the ability for this to happen, you know, but in order for that to happen, you know, people always ask, well, uh, who, whose responsibility is it to make the change? And I go, people that are trained, mm. the people that are that whose job it is to uphold the law. That's that's the change that needs to happen first. You can't. Yes. You know, people can have, 
you know, try to have more civil interactions with police. But at the same time, the, the average person is not trained in de-escalation. The average mm-hmm. person is not trained to deal with these situations and the heightened stress and all of that. That is what your job entails as a police officer. That is what you were trained to do. And the, and, and, and this, you know, everybody's out to get you no, you know, uh, the only person that you need to look out for is yourself. You just have to make at home, you know, jargon that they feed so many of these officers is what spurs this on as well. Because contrary to popular belief, everybody's not out to get you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and you coming into a situation like you said, with respect, with humanity, with civility, can alleviate a lot of these things too. Because at the end of the day, badge or no badge when you talk to someone disrespectfully, when you escalate a situation, there's going to be tension. That's right. There's going to be high, high stress. You can't then instigate a situation, push it to get to that point, and then still have the ability to claim, you know, victim. And right. <laughs> exactly. like, you can't do that, that yep. you're the aggressor in the situation. You're not, you're not, you're not on the defense, you know? Yep. Uh, yep. And there's just so many changes, you know, that can be made. Um, But just a few of those to get started, man. And normally, you know, I I could probably find all the words that I, that I wanted to use and articulate myself very well. But this whole thing, you know, having two with me, having two young daughters, one of which is five who, you know, can see the things that are going on and, you know, I, I've started to have talks with her that, you know, all our parents had with us and, you know, had to explain the George Floyd incident to her. I had to I- explain the differences between, you know, how how people look at, you know, at, at some of her friends and then how they'll look at her, the difference between how police can look at some of her friends and then look at her. And to have her ask me some of the questions and hear some of the things that she said to me, um, you know, as a father, as a man, just broke me, you know, to hear mm. her ask me, you know, daddy, are the police going to kill me? You know, you know, and the best thing that I can say is not while I'm around, you know what I mean? And wow, to just feel you know, to just know that one day I'm not going to be able to be able to look out for her. You know what I mean? She's going to be out in the world one day by herself. Mm. You know, she's, I, I, I'm going to prepare her for that the best I can. Yeah. You know, but yeah. that, that's the world that I'm sending her out into. Right. Right. It's no different than the world that our parents sent us in, into or their parents sent them into. And, you yeah. know, it, it's got to change at some point, man. It's got to. Good stuff, man. Really, really good stuff. A um, few questions. Uh, if you yeah. can uh, just, you know, answer, you know, then just a, just a few thoughts on it, just a few okay. quick thoughts on it. Um, Robbie's asking if you could address the youth today about uh, what happened, what would you say to them? What you what, what would you say to give them something to prepare for the future? Good question. If you could address the youth today about what happened, in, in which in which instance is this the George Floyd or 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can use George Floyd. Yeah, George Floyd. Oh man, um, I, I I'd say the best way that you can prepare is to know the laws of our nation, to know uh, in what city you live in, what the penal codes are, what you can and can't do, what they can and can't do. Uh, knowledge is power. Learn the laws, learn um, the statutes, learn the penal codes, learn all of those things. Um, learn when to ask for a supervisor and things of that sort if you feel uh, things are going to go left. Um, you know, and, and, and do your very best to just make sure that you make it home you know, that, that you make it home alive. You know, uh, one of the things that I was taught is you can beat the case, but you can't beat the ride. You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> if it's a situation in which they are gung-ho about taking you, then, you know, then, then you go and you deal with it, you know, through the courts. Um, but prepare yourself, you know, uh, prepare yourself with knowledge, prepare yourself, um, you know, with, every possible scenario that you can think of and, you know, be calm and confident in that. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Uh, Shane is asking from Shane to Shane, <laughs> what did you look up to and how did you find your passion for wrestling? Uh, that could be so many people at, at, at different points in my life, but I think the main person uh, would probably be my father, you know, to, see where his life was and where he took it and uh, what he's done for himself, what he's done for me and my brothers. Um, he, he's Superman to me. So um, he and, you know, a lot of people around, around us, my family in general, we're always big wrestling fans. Um, so to be able to uh, lose ourselves in that world, for just a few hours a week mm -hmm. with all the BS going on around us and the drugs and the gangs and people dying, like to be able to lose ourselves in that, um, that's what made me fall in love with wrestling because I wanted to bring that to another generation. I wanted kids on kids sitting at home in cities like Cleveland and all around the world that were like where I grew up to be able to see me on TV, showing them uh, a positive image of what, a black man is and what and what we stand for um and 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 what we can be outside of uh the stereotypes that happen a lot in this sport uh so um, that's that that's where my passion came from yeah that's good elvis is asking what do you think when president trump wanted to hold a rally on june 19th in tulsa but was forced to change it to june 20th stupid, stupid. like but again it's this is why and when you look at his cabinet and the people around him and you see the lack of diversity, these things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. To be completely, you know, oblivious, oblivious of what that signifies, that you're going to hold a rally on Juneteenth in Tulsa. That, I mean, you can't be more tone deaf than that. You can't especially in today's climate, you know, and I, I'm not buying, oh, well, we, you know, we, we saw that it was conflicting. So we changed it out the goodness of our hearts. No, that's, that's a 
calculated move to go, hey, that's going to cost you votes. If you do that, you may not want to do that, you know. Uh, and so by by no stretch do I think that was an earnest from the heart move. But, you know, um, yeah, that that's just you, you, you can't you can't let things like that go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my man, it's uh, it has been a pleasure, man. I, this has been a very helpful conversation. I, I really, uh, I hope and pray that uh, for for my for my base who listens to this will be more informed. Uh, you know, a, a frequent, a, a weekly uh, person of the show's Black Mo. He said he didn't even know about Black Wall Street until this conversation. So, um, yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's in the 30s. He's in his 30s. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, my hope is that um, this was enlightening to to most. Uh, of course, you know there would be people that may disagree, but at least uh, understand the facts. You know, I mean, numbers don't lie. Statistics don't lie. You know, the facts don't lie as far as the miseducation of uh, American culture when it comes to those books that are um, in schools, you know what I mean? And I think history is uh, very important, the good and the bad uh, makes us appreciate. And if we really want to walk in independence and appreciation of, uh, of the flag that we have today, I think we need to widen our history <laughs> when it comes to teaching people and having to understand that there's good and bad in history that causes us our freedom. Um, you know, there's freedom in many places. There's freedom in, uh, you know, Civil War, of course, uh, you know, Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks. You know, I mean, there's there's many types of freedom that our flag represents other than independence from 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 the British. So yeah. we need to we need to educate uh, culturally that uh, and widen our uh, widen our, uh, our our base when it comes to that type of education. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Very, very good convo. Thank you for having me, man. Thank thank you. And for everybody listening, thank you. Um, appreciate the support as always. And, uh, you know, it, it is, it, 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 it's cliche to say, but, it, but it's very true. We are all in this together. The only way we get past this as a nation, as a community, um, is to better ourselves so that we can, you know, change the world around us. Mm -hmm. That's your hash. That's your uh, not hashtag, but a uh, handle, right? Twitter handle. What's that? Shane. Oh yeah, at change one six Taylor. Yes, sir. Cool. Follow this guy. As uh, uh, he's a cool dude, and uh, happy to know you, man, and happy to have this really good conversation with you. Thank you again, my man. Thank you. All right, have a good night. You too. Bye bye. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Shane Taylor. Um, great conversation, man. Um, that was, I knew it was going to be good, but that was much better than I expected. Very good, man. Just a good conversation that someone from the pro wrestling community um, who's, you know, has his head straight and the intelligent guy Um can speak on that stuff man so that was uh very very good very good pmp nation what's going on what's going on see the chat room was having a really good conversation um the leader very great um 
Is that near to Grace Tyson? Unfortunately, as a Christian, I, I don't support near to Grace Tyson. <laughs> um, let's see. There's a lot. Uh, Christopher, good stuff, man. Christopher Ryan Cooper, great interview tonight. Well said uh, to both of you. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it very pretty much. Almo, I saw. I didn't want to highlight your comment, but I saw that, man. I, I saw that, Alma. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I really am. That's uh, unfortunate. And um, yeah, very traumatic. Um, <clears throat> even if it happened years and years and years ago, I can definitely understand the, the trauma, um, sis. So very sad to hear that. And I'm, I'm praying for you. Um, praying for you. All right. Uh, of course, Axe Chris. Um, all lives matter, Marissa. Yes, it does. Uh, but please do not retort that with uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, that is a bad response to Black Lives Matter. All lives matter is correct. All lives matter. Yes. Black lives matter. Yes. All eyes matter. Uh, responding to uh, responding, all eyes matter with Black Lives Matter is like saying, uh, "Lol, I didn't know who was first." Just like to me. Oh, got you. <laughs> I got you. Later, later. Um, uh, all eyes matter. Re- responding, all eyes matter when it comes to Black Lives Matter. Now, I'm a Christian um, conservative. I don't. I don't um, side with the Republican or a Democrat party. I'm more of an independent conservative. So I uh, am a big, I'm not a a, a fan of the Black Lives Matter agenda. Um, But at the same time, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a historically and just educationally, racially, I'm definitely a, a proponent of the Black Lives Matter groundswell as far as bringing more awareness, saying all lives matter to someone who says black lives matter. is like saying um, someone who really has a hurt who's saying uh, breast cancer awareness matters and someone with a picket uh, sign that says, well, all cancer awareness matters, you know, and that would be silly because we know that we know all cancer awareness matters, but someone's really being hurt with um, breast cancer and they want to create uh, a better breast cancer awareness or someone's a victim of the domestic violence and says domestic violence uh, awareness matters. And someone, you know, next to him has a sign says, well, all violence matters. You know, that would be minimizing. That would be insensitive. And it would just be, de- it'll just be downright rude uh, to, to say that. So I hope that puts that more in context. I, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to come at you, Marissa. I'm just bringing more, uh, more, more context and awareness to my support of Black Lives Matter. If someone, uh, if someone says, uh, um, you know, uh, rape matters. You know, rape awareness matters. And someone's next to him uh, saying, "Well, all sexual abuse matters." You know, what I mean, like, well, we know that, but you know, I'm, I'm hurting. I, I'm. I'm I'm traumatized based on my experience, and I want to create awareness to that. Uh, so I think that's 
very important to add a better context to what the non-political uh, Black Lives Matter agenda is. All right. Um, a lot of Axe Chris questions. A lot of good Axe Chris questions, actually. Um, we're going to talk about Black Backlash, Marissa. Uh, you won the still the headline for this week. We're going to talk about backlash here in just a moment. Um, my pleasure, Robbie. Uh, this is see the comments like this right here. This is progress right here. This right here. This makes me really, really happy. That makes me really really happy to provide a podcast to not only talk about wrestling and but talk about wrestling in conjunction to racial relations and comments like this this right here takes the cake man so big ups to you robbie um i that makes me very very happy so uh shout out to big big claps to you. Um great stuff. All right. Um lots of stuff, lots of stuff. Robbie, welcome Robbie to the show. Um we just had former Ring of Honor world champion, world TV champion Shane Taylor on to talk about some racial relations. Uh, Rob, it looks like Robbie is new to the PMP Nation. Uh, welcome to the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Uh, we have fun. I bring in, I'm Chris Featherstone. I'm a journalist. I freelance for Sports Illustrated. I freelance for Fox Sports. I was a feature columnist for Bleach Report for uh, over three years. Uh, I've written, uh, you name it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I wrote for Wrestling Inc. for six years. I wrote for WrestleZone. I wrote for Wrestling News. I wrote for What Culture. I, I wrote. I've written for um, The Inquisitor for a while. Sports Kita for a while. Um, man, I've been everywhere. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some places. Uh, uh, PW Mania. I, I wrote. I wrote for them. Um, yeah, I, I, I wrote for. <laughs> Uh, everybody. So, uh, and every single person, uh, I've, uh, I have a wrestler, I have a pro wrestler interview here every week, uh, Robbie. So, so come join us, uh, for the past four years straight. Uh, this, this show is 429 episodes for us. So it's been four years and almost five months. No, four months, four years and almost three months. Um, I'm sorry, eight years. And almost three months. So the show has been straight from first every single week for straight uh, since April 3rd, 2012 was the very first show and every single week straight 429 weeks straight. We have had a show of uh, the pancakes and power slam show. And for the, uh, when I, when I first started, um, when I first started, uh, I would have an interview. 
Uh, well, it will just be, you know, we'll talk about wrestling. We're on SmackDown and there's some, um, some goings on, some headlines. Uh, and then I started bringing interviews around episode 50. And I would have an interview once a month. And then I started to do it twice a month. And then for the past four years straight, I've had an interview, a wrestling interview, uh, WWE, NXT, ROH, Impact, uh, NWA. Um, I've had an interview every single week for the past four years straight. So uh, this week was Shane Taylor. And um, just type in pancakes and power slams to um, view the archives of who I've interviewed. I've interviewed 12 WWE Hall of Famers, uh, including Goldberg, Booker T, Ricky Steamboat, Tito Santana, Bushwhacker Luke. Um, who else have an interview that's been a Hall of Famer? Um, oh, goodness. I know I'm, I'm missing a lot. I, I counted 12. I don't, I don't remember. I remember the 12. But uh, 12 W Hall of Famers. Uh, Teddy Long. I've interviewed Teddy Long, too. Um, and then uh, I've interviewed Eric Bischoff a bunch of times on my show. Vince Russo a bunch of times on my show. Just a bunch of names. <laughs> just, just a bunch of names. So, yeah, I interview um people all the time and i get the scoops uh i was the one who broke the news about jinder mahal returning um and i knew about brian cage and uh um yeah so i i broke some scoops uh recently because i've got a good rolodex of context um uh, I've good relationships with people I've interviewed over the years. So, yes, Brandon. Uh, so, welcome to the show, Robbie. I am a man of many hats. I am absolutely very, very much. Um, Cole, good to have you back, man. Living in the South is like talking to a brick wall about race, even for white men. It's just terrible down here. Sad, very sad. Very, very sad. Um, that is unfortunate. Uh, Cole says hi. Great to have you, man. It's been a while. Um, Shane is asking, what are your thoughts on censorship going on in America? They have took off the Dukes of Hazard due to the Confederate flag. What would happen if they found a clip of the Freebirds and took wrestling off the air? Um, well, let me tell you something, man. I don't give a snot. <laughs> about uh taking uh free birds off the air <laughs> in exchange for the um brutal the brutality that comes with the confederate flag so uh that can you know any free birds um uh videos can be benoit as far as i care uh, as far as historically is concerned when it comes to the Confederacy with Robert E. Lee. Um, so, you know, and I understand that I'm more lenient if someone, you know, is like some type of, is a heel, brings the Confederate flag or something like that. It just gets beat up by the good guys because they're, they're viewed to be the bad guys and they get beat up by the good guys because it's a, um, you know, there's, there's, there's suspending reality, but you don't want to cross the line. You know what I mean? It's like 
heel let heels be heels, but at the same time, there's a fine line between being a really good heel and then crossing the line. And I think a really good heel kind of has to teeter in that line. Actually, don't cross it, but get really close and teeter that line. Uh, so there's some, I think there's some uh, decorum. There's some, just some overall wisdom when it comes to what, how far is too far. But um, as far as censoring stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm all for taking off, uh, removing the Robert E. Lee statues. I mean, this isn't the first Robert E. Lee statue, the one that was in Virginia. This wasn't the first one that was removed. Um, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I think, again, I think at the end of the day, if people really understand historically what stuff means, I think that they'll be more inclined to support um, rem the removal of it. And I think uh, the history of Robert E. Lee and how he treated slaves, um, how he uh, owned slaves and how he would have them whipped. Uh, go to Wesley, Wesley Norris. People, for, for those who uh, don't know, aren't really in, aren't really informed when it comes to racial history outside of European history uh, and, and white cultural history. Uh, go uh, Google Wesley Norris. He, he gave an account uh, of uh, in the 1800s when uh, Robert E. Lee, um, he was a slave and he had a couple of uh, family members that uh, tried to escape with himself and they were caught. And Robert E. Lee actually had um, him and his uh, family member uh, whipped uh, with uh, lashes. Uh, I think it was 50 lashes he had them uh, be whipped with. But he wanted to show some type of leniency toward the sister and say, you know what? Only give her 20, you know, as if that's, you know helps you know that's still terrible so uh yeah go and uh history is important when it comes to culture and i think the more we know the more we are informed and the more we will advocate uh, this censorship for sure all right what's up aaron great to have you on the show uh, Aaron, you've been here a time or two, so obviously there's something about uh, the Pancakes and Power Sam show that uh, is uh, intriguing to you, and uh, we're glad to have you back. Definitely have you, glad to have you back. Uh, Vernon, what's up, Vernon? Welcome to the PNP Nation, Vernon. We have fun every single week here. Today was a lot more of a serious conversation uh, talking about racial relations uh, with former Ring of Honor world champion Shane Taylor. But we have a good time every single week. Uh, who did I have on last week? Um, who did I have on last week, y'all? Oh, I had on uh, Josh Bredo from Tough Enough. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, that was funny. That was a good conversation. We actually chatted a few times uh, this week, and um, that was pretty good. I had over 4,000 uh, views, so he was like, oh, nice, man. He was really happy about that. All right. Let's see. Before we go, before I introduce um, – uh, let's see. 
Of course, we're going to talk about Raw and SmackDown. We've got some few headlines. Um, there was a couple good um, Ask Chris questions. Mo, that's one. Uh, we'll talk about that's a headline that we'll talk about. My first interview was Elijah Burke. And actually, my first interview was my dude Onyx. He's a independent uh, pro wrestler. Um, he's real big and in independent scenes locally. Uh, and his name is Onyx. Real name is Sean. Goes by Onyx. Um, let's see. Let's see when I interviewed Onyx. Um, I do not know. Um, it was before episode 50. Because episode 50 was um, Elijah Burke. So that was my first like big name interview. As far as, I mean, Onyx is big. He's my guy. He's my guy. He's, he's, he's a big name here locally. But as far as like, uh, as far as a name, like WWE former, you know, name in that sense, uh, Elijah Burke was my first interview. I think. I think. Maybe it was. Yeah, I think it was Elijah Burke. Um, yes, the one year anniversary show on March 27th, uh, 2013. Elijah Burke he came for the one year anniversary show, March 27, 2013. And then after that, Crimson. I believe that was later. That was August the 14th of 2013. And before him was my second biggest, uh, my second big interview was uh, Tyler Rex. I believe it was. Um, no, that was, uh, he was, uh, he was episode 100. So he was, so it was Liza Burke crimson. And then um, Tyler Rex. Yeah, that was my first three big interviews. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, fans asked not to wear a Max to the Raw event yesterday. Yeah, Kevin Dunn. That was a Kevin Dunn thing. Uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the COVID. Ask Chris, ask Chris, um, Robbie, I'm Robbie as well. This is the place to be because Chris gives us the hookup with great news and interviews. Robbie, my man. Shane, what was your favorite promo in wrestling? I found one on Bill's uh, superstar build on D. He said he can't wait for tomorrow because he gets better looking every day. <laughs> That's nice. I was supposed to be calling Bill Dundee like super late at night uh, one week, one night. I kind of feel like one of these days, one of these days. Um, I'm text. Uh, Shane just texted me. Uh, 
responding to his text. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so Bill Dundee. <laughs> I wonder if he's still up, man. Uh, I'm going to call him one day. <laughs> <laughs> late at night just do a real random call bill dundee is well bill dundee is one of those people who always answer my call he always answered my call man he's one of those guys who always answer the phone when i call him hey chris how's it going man how you doing mate <laughs> that's every single time i call bill dundee hey chris how's it going how you doing man i'm doing okay man it's uh you know i got it ready for my Ready for my next match going on here? I ain't talking about August. Probably I'll have be able to go back into the ring, mate. That's that's all he talks about on the phone with. Him. There's there's a few people who always answer my call, and Bill Dundee's one of them. Uh, Brian Cage is typically uh, um, he usually answers or calls back. Um, Marty Elias either contacts, he either sends me random texts all the time, asks me how I'm doing, or if he doesn't answer, he'll text me back or call me back. Um, I'm trying to figure out who else is really like on, on it when it comes to like getting back with me. Bobby Fulton's another one who's like on it with, with getting back with me. JTG's another person who's really on it with uh, getting back with me. So, Good stuff. All right. So without further ado, let me bring in the codes for the most. My guy, Evan Tech Proud. How are you tonight, sir? What's going on? Did I just hear <laughs> somebody talk about numbers? <laughs> numbers don't lie. <laughs> for TMI. Oh, yeah. Trouble numbers. It is uh yes, yes. was it uh seven years and eleven months me about to be eight years for me being a professional broadcaster right, so congratulations. Near july the third congratulations the annual oh no nice. uh, it's the day after my birthday my day the numbers it's got great numbers you defeated my streak i had a three and a half <laughs> year streak of every actually back in the day i did two shows a week i had yep. two guests a week and had at least one guest per show. Mm-hmm. So uh my episode title don't even ask. I'm I'm at least 580 episodes. Nice. Two days a week. Yeah. The other stuff, the other networks. And between us, Father Stone Man, we got all literally almost close to a thousand episodes yeah. of content. Awesome. Yeah. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame people we interviewed. Yep. Uh the late great means in Oakland. Goldberg, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you yeah, said that. Yeah, we both got Jeff Jarrett, both Bischoff, both Russo. Yeah. Uh, didn't interv- I didn't interview him on my show, but we had a lengthy talk. Cornette. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 um, uh, this is the thing, guys. It, we didn't interview so many people WWE, TNA, Impact, whatever you want to call them, New Japan, Ring of Honor, RH, independent shows. My man Shane Strickland. Shane Swerve on NXT. I'm following him for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Remember when he had a crew cut before the dreads. Remember when he was giving birth to his kids. <laughs> so you and I know Flip Gordon interviewed him when he literally started. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you and I, brother, yeah. my first interview ever, 
first guy I ever interviewed was Kenny Bowling. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kenny Bowling tried to do me dirty a little bit, man. Cause uh really? Yeah, because I, I mean I, I, I don't want to I don't want to interview him, but like uh he kind of did me dirty a little bit. Uh because I started I started go I'm really uh, good buddies with Rico Constantino. And he yeah, actually yeah. he actually texted me uh last week, I think it was. And um so he was there was a time where he was just really going through it and yeah and um so we talked and I was just kind of like his life coach for for a little bit and I was just really encouraging oh, wow. him stuff like that and uh I told you know I was like man let's get let's start a GoFundMe you know like uh, let's just do it let's just he's like man I don't know anything about it so he gave me his account information I mean he trusted me with all that and I, I set it up yeah. for him I did all that for him uh, I did the um, uh, I did all the literature for him. I, I, oh wow! I wrote the I wrote the bio and stuff like that. Like I did all mm-hmm. that on his GoFundMe page. All of that is is. I mean, he did he did a thank you. He did a long a big thank you. That was you know that was actually him. But all the bio stuff, I wrote all that. And so, and he, and Jericho actually retweeted it. He actually Jericho actually Great. endorsed the GoFundMe that I that I made for for Rico. And Kenny Bolin, um, he he was like, yeah. He's like, don't worry about any of the other stuff. You know, this is where you give to. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, I don't even know you. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like what? Is, what? There's, there's, yeah, no, there's no point of beef in here. I don't even know you. And, like, I didn't, you know, I, I just kind of passed it on because me and Rico was tight. And I told, I told, I talked to Rico about it. I'm like, why is he even I mean and he was like, Yeah, yeah. just more than one type of income stream. Uh I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. But don't dismiss all the hard work that I've done, you right, know, exactly. what I mean? <laughs> to, to to build an account for you. Yeah. Um, you know, just just don't dismiss that. And you know, Jericho endorsed it and things like that. And so that was huge. That was my um that was my Jericho moment endorsing the uh, <laughs> that I created for Rico Constantino. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And Rico, uh, showed me love on podcast too, that he was on, you know, he's, he's, he looks, he looks great now. Uh, yeah. In great shape. So he's made a huge transformation. Yeah. He showed me pictures yeah. and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really happy for Rico right now, actually. And, um, but yeah, yeah. I was like, ah, oh, interesting. Huh. Kenny, yeah. Kenny was number one. Uh, uh, and in, in that week was uh, my man, one, one of my dear, dear, good buddies in the business, uh, Uncle Fred, Fred Altman. Uncle Fred. Uh, tugboat. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, 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 I'll never forget. And I, a lot of people don't. Man, the rare times you know me personally. What's going on, fans? Michelle too. I got the chance man, from Bobby Heenan. Uh, what was that? Um, Stan Chris, we just talking about it. It was a WCW pay per view. Um, uh, the Bash at the Beach. Um. One of them. Oh, I was watching it. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't had his chin turned just like I did to the camera. Oh, uh, <laughs> Shivani was like, <laughs> it was uh, Shivani, Heenan, and Dusty. Um, that's where I got it from. But uh, yeah, one of the few times, man, I, I actually cursed on Facebook. This is years ago. This is probably like seven years ago. It was in a f bomb. Just so like. They need the baby test words the D or something or a word and uh Uncle Fred actually texted me. Literally texted me and gave me a good old talk and was like, brother, what's wrong? Don't let nobody get to you. He called. Nice. So uh 
you know, Uncle Fred, it's my man. Um, nice. yeah, we, we gotta do a tally, brother. You that next week, something of all the Hall of Famers and, and people we gonna go lure the people we've interviewed. I mean, not just that, referees, uh, uh, you know, wrestlers, people put up the ring crew, people that did production work backstage, um, authors. Then on my end, I, I get more into wrestling. I've interviewed people who had Netflix series, the toys that made us, Bravo, Weeds, his shows, a lot of people in the industry, professional boxers, Larry Holmes. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I interviewed Dr. Chris Rayner. Uh, yeah, 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 Dr. Chris Rayner, right. So yeah, um, being a TV host as, as well, there's a lot of people, people that work on the John Wick movies and work with firearms. So, yep. it's just a lot. We got, we got to do that, brother. We got to start up a little the memoir. Oh, yeah. A little blog <laughs> we had. Yeah. It's always good, good friendly competition. Um, yep. Anybody don't know how to go. Oh, I will say this. never said this before, probably. From the launch of my show, there's been 12 other shows that came that has came from my show and three of them shows are former wwe talent one of them is from a hall of fame wrestling family nice. they're still going on today and I actually helped engineer and stuff Ooh. shout out to canada oh yeah. good stuff man yeah Acts seven what are your thoughts on bruce pritchard taking over the writing on raw from paul Heyman? Not gonna make a difference. It is this um not somebody you and I have never interviewed Heyman. Um I, I've actually worked with Bruce uh backstage of his shows, traveling, no comrade and all never interviewed but the people at least to me. They interview Pritchard. I've talked to Pritchard a lot off air and talking with shows. Is this this is gonna happen either way with Heyman. Pritchard has been with Vance forever. So it's just the devil, you know, against the devil. Not really, you don't, but it's the kind of like the devil you're comfortable with, according to the devil, you're not. <laughs> Heyman is very upfront. He's very forward. You know, Heyman has always had a love hate relationship with him. Oh, yeah. The yeah, Pritchard is always been there for Vince, no Vince once, been there since the eons in the 80s and stuff. And as, as we're both bosses, we both have our own companies as well. It's like, all right, I have a loyal, I don't want to say subject, but I have a loyal employee that's been there for years and I'm used to. Might as well just get with him. He knows how I work and I got to work with mm-hmm. much back. Let's just pull the Heyman. It is going to happen. Heyman is on back to entering only basis, which I can say may not see well for Brocky Boy. Because, you know, Heyman and Brocky Boy is a tandem. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that works now. Yeah, I think that I think that actually we actually saw a difference because uh, I think Raw was actually pretty good. Yeah, Raw was yeah, Raw, Raw yeah, was I actually there. enjoyed Raw for the first time yeah. a long time. It was actually pretty good. Wish it went up. Um, and I what one thing I noticed with Heyman is that and, and Heyman's Heyman, and I appreciate both Heyman's thinking and Pritchard's thinking. Pritchard is more like let's take. Let, let's look at the big picture. Yeah, he's big picture, right? And let's kind of put this on the map and just kind of look at the long haul. You know, that's that old school wrestling. Just kind yes. of book, you know, months and months in advance. 
and you know just kind of put everything and just kind of look at the big picture of it and is, i appreciate is, that because i think that's where storylines work right. better with what's picture thinking with is, Heyman, though he's more like shock value crash right. tv let's let's make this person over and it's kind of it's kind of difficult nowadays with with wrestling to just like make this person over um because people just kind of don't buy the non-organic type of push if you're just kind of forcing someone to be pushed people kind of read through yeah. that that's the reason why reigns was so ostracized for so long um mm. and i think that's why becky started to get a little you know her uh fan first started dwindle a little bit her yeah, hype right. started dwindle a little bit that's why kofi's hype started to dwindle they they get the organic push and then when they either fell at the organic push or they don't push organically that's when fans start to react negatively negatively yeah and the thing is for those who are organically pushed there's still no end game a lot of times though you know what i mean like yeah. with kofi it was just it was an organic thing with daniel bryan you know back organic, uh, yeah. back before 31 i mean back before yeah but back before wrestlemania 30 right. um it was organic and I think there's still there still wasn't necessarily an end game, you know, with that. But I like Pritchard's style because we see storyline development. We see cliffhangers. One thing I liked about Raw, we'll get to Raw, um, but one thing I really liked about Raw is that there was something that held us for the rest for for the whole three hours to start off with Christian. You know, and I've always been a Christian guy. Yeah, Christian. It did. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and and I'm like, what? It's been you know six years since he's you know he's retired because of concussions. I'm like, there's no way, as far as I know, he's still not cleared because he's concussed. You know, he has to retire. Right. And is is he going to wrestle? So the whole kind of hanging fruit, you know, kind of running story throughout the throughout the three hours was can he wrestle? And he, there was a couple times. They, you know, they went back to play with it, it, and, it you know, backstage interview like that right. is good stuff, man. I really, really enjoy that. Same thing with uh, Drew. It carried out through the whole story, through the whole three hours. It was our truth and Drew against MVP and lastly. So it was first. So it was first. You know about the turn. You know, our truth. Right. Know, and, um you know, being silly and saying, you know, it's going to be for both the 24 seven and the world title. And then he says like, well, I did, I talked to the, I talked to the people. I talked, you know, I talked to them and now it's only going to be for the WWE championship. Like he did something good. And now if he loses, Drew may, may lose the title, which protects Drew. So it could have actually happened. You know, if, if lastly, your MVP, most likely lastly would have beat, our truth that could have been a thing you know what i mean so it, there was a lot of just kind of moving parts that we were just kind of intrigued about throughout the whole night yeah. you know like see that right there i'm i'm interested in as opposed to just hot spots throughout the three hours uh, just kind of drop something and that's all we see for yeah. the, you know of, of it you know there's no there's no desire to move on or to to hook me and that's what we'll see well, I think we'll I think we'll we'll see more of a difference, like another 
months ago, it was like, oh, Heyman's going to be on Raw. It's like, you're not going to see as much. Everything's still got to go through events. Mm-hmm. Pritchard is a Vince disciple. So even though Pritchard's worked at MLW and Impact, Pritchard is a Vince disciple. So it would be easier for Pritchard ideas to kind of go to the Vince's good instead of bad. And like you said, it's like my our good old buddy, Kevin Sullivan, my good buddy, he said the same thing with Dusty. Dusty was like Heyman. Dusty was great at a finish, the Dusty finish. He was good at shock value, but he never was good at building. And that's when Kevin Sullivan said he came in, or Dutch man, Dutchy. Dutch came in where he built the hole, and that's what Pritchard does well. And I agree. I mean, the viewership for Raw even went up a little bit. It was good where I'll give you an example. A, 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 a known news, um, a known editor and um, columnist for a newspaper in West Virginia. He was talking early today, and he even said, hey, I was actually interested in Raw the first time in eons. Mm-hmm. He even mentioned certain things. So you see the difference in, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about Raw. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And Heyman, Heyman will be all right. He, yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Have I interviewed a Nitro girl? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm, I talked to two. Never interviewed. Have a Nitro girl. I've interviewed Booker T, <laughs> the husband of Charmel. Yeah, yeah, we both we both interviewed Booker and Charmel. Yeah. Um, I met what was it, Spice? Okay. I met her. Um. No. Wait, what was the black one name? What was her name? Miss Jones. Huh? Miss Jones. Miss Jones. Okay. Oh yeah. ACJs. And you talking about uh, Tigress was uh, the other one. Tigress was the other one. Yeah. That's your problem, man. Spice is married to Shawn Michaels, I think, right? No, which one? That was Whisper. 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 Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Whisper. Spice was. uh, Um, she's a life now, I think. Yeah, let's see. Oh, hit him one up. Nineteen seventy-three. She was one of the original nice old girls. She was married and has a son. She works as a life coach. Yeah. All right. So let me see. So AC Jazz. She was born in nineteen seventy-one. Um. Let's see. It's close to you, brother. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of which, is Marissa? Is she a hit? Is she a face? I know I'm Mr. Week. Is Marissa, are you a face or a heel, or are you like a tweener? Uh, she's usually a face, but um, her and Lexi, um, I think Lexi got injured or something, man. She's been gone. I think, I think her, her, and uh, you know, her and Lexi, Lexi turned heel, and then the hot tag. <laughs> reconciled and then they teamed up again i think lace i think uh lexi got injured on in the match or something man. lexi lexi will be back she'll do a sting yeah it'll be uncensored uh she's amazing the, uh, the un- uncensored 97 she's gonna drop from the rafters with a bat <laughs> right <laughs> it's gonna be out the blue wait so let's see so AC Jazz, I, I didn't know anything about her. Uh, it was I, mean, the, I remember the Nitro Girls, but then it was the Asian one. What's her name? Choi. I forgot all about her. So you had Baby. So AC Jazz from '97 to '99, and then uh, Baby. Uh, 
Okay. Um, September 15th, 1976. So all these are 70s babies. I think it looks like the... uh, I think... uh, Let me see. Spice is... Carmel Macklin, which is Miss Jones. Uh Uh, She was born in 76, so she's 44. Baby was born in 76, so she's 40. She'll be 44 this year. Uh, uh, AC Jazz born in 71, so she's uh, 49. Nurture Girl Spice is actually University of Maryland alumni. Oh, nice. Uh, Shay, Mm -hmm. um, she was born in 73. Um, Chiquita was born in 74. Oh, yeah, I forgot about her. Yep. Golden. Okay. The the Klamazowski twins, known as the Coors Light twins. So they're nitro. Oh man. Then of course Kimberly Page. We knew her. Naughty Mm -hmm. A. What? I don't remember the. I do not remember. Um, I don't remember these people. I remember. I just remember a bunch of them dancing. Um, wow. Okay, two thousand to two thousand one. Huh. Uh, of course, Stacy Keeler. Stacy Keeler was uh, born in seventy nine, I believe. So she's. I think she was the youngest one. Uh, yeah, born in seventy nine. So I think she was the youngest one. Spice was 73. Star was 70, 1970. Mm-hmm. Charmel, of course. Um, Charmel was born in 1970. So she's she'll be 50 in November. Still looks great. Simon was born in 76. Tayo, 71. Tiger. Oh, Tiger was born in 1971. She's 49. Hmm? Years old. Wow. What? Wow. She's 49 years old. Wow. And then Whisper was born in 73. So Mrs. HBK. Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Heartbreak Kid. <clears throat> wow. I didn't know the Tigress was that old. 49. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. Shout out to the Wildcat from WCW. Just want to give him a shout out. I always remember that dude, one random Nitro. Savage comes out and Savage almost punched the Wildcat. The Wildcat came in the corner. You know, Savage was I think I don't know if he was NWO over when he was WCW about to go with Savage. The wild wild king got in the way. Savage was about to deck him. Or he pushed him. Like, I don't know who's playing a wildcat. But of all people, I don't think you want to get in save. And Doug Dillinger, what is he doing? Uh Doug Dillinger. Yeah. Nothing but security. Um, <clears throat> grabbing the ropes and seeing the win by che- cheating. You say Apollo's heel turn. I want to see him tag with Lashley. No, I don't want to see him tag with Lashley. I think they're cool with him being U.S. champ. Let him have a single run. 
Uh, I, I think it adds a flavor. I think it adds a layer to his character as a face. I think it adds flavor to him being a baby face. I'm totally cool with it. Uh, craziest thing you've seen in a live event. Um, <clears throat> this one fan, I, I go to Bobby Fulton's. Uh, I, I went to a bunch of Bobby Fulton's events. And Brother would, Bobby. Uh, yeah. He would have like a legend, a bunch of legendary names. <clears throat> and there's this one. Um, there was this one fan. And I mean, she like like pro wrestling was real to her, and she would stand up, and she, I mean, like she would just like veins would pop out of her head, and how much she was just yell at the heels. It was just crazy. Like, ah, sit down somewhere. You gotta get out of here. Like she was like yelling, <laughs> and the, and the heels just play it. Like play with it, just kind of like flinch at her and stuff like that. It's like you don't you don't you? And she was an older older lady, and she like I mean, and like wrestling was absolutely wrestling is real to her. Like heels are literally bad people. Like heels to her are literally the scum of the earth, And, and like that's how wrestling should be. It was crazy, but I'm like. That's how wrestling should be, man. That's how that's how people's crazy craziest thing I've seen. Some backstage stuff I can't talk about on air. Mm. Um, I, I did hear I, some somebody some huge name, some huge name. Uh, I heard uh, someone was uh, with. Are, are like a crowd of us that like that knew each other from going in pre- previous times. He told us that a big name, a big WWE name, came up to him <laughs> and asked him where he could find some marijuana. <laughs> oh, I mean, so so yeah. I know. Uh, I was like, huh. and I mean, I'm talking about like a a, a major major name. I, I I told three real quick. That's funny. I I never said this on air. We thought we were in trouble. So <laughs> the late the late Balls Mahoney, and I was really tight with Balls. He was at a show in Pennsylvania, somewhere in like like Deliverance type area of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike Ryan came. Uh, that's the season there. Balls Mahoney signed. And his daughter, his white boss, boss, wife and daughter was there. So we're backstage, his boss, I think, a couple other guys. Boss son, boss junior, looked just like Dennis the Menace from the movie. Kept running away, running around. I told him, I said, dude, you got to sit down and chill. Boss Mahoney Jr. locked himself in the bathroom stall. Oh, wow. <laughs> and was banging and crying. You know, we did. We kept him in there for 30 minutes to shut the lights off. Wow. Because he didn't, unless he kept running around getting his, ah, he's banging the door, banging the door. Boss was like, he was, he was sitting there. He was like, brothers, don't you do nothing. Leave, it, leave, leave, leave him be. Leave him be. He got mad. <laughs> so we finally, we finally opened the door to let him out. Uh, and, and shout out to Balls. Balls Mahoney had just, Got out the hospital, get you for pneumonia, came to that show and worked. Mm. Oh, wow. So, another thing, uh, live, I, I've seen 
uh, the great league King Kong Bundy. We was talking with him. We did an interview. It got lost. And uh, Ellsworth, who you know I've known for like ten years, mm-hmm. Ellsworth was in the back, and there was a wrestler who was coked up. Literally, he was sitting like this, did not move. We saw him shoot his arm. Mm. He was out for three hours. Wow. He slapped him in the face. He didn't move. Um, <clears throat> but uh, man, craziest thing. Uh. Oh, your boy Sky Steiner. He liked it so far to the gym. I told you about that. Oh, yeah. He probably popped there with Bob Barrett and me. He up there doing his doing this presses and stuff, you know. And uh, you know, you have a big gym door, so you know the door opens from the outside, but it locks from the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he got before his mad chief is this game. It's like open the door, open up. He's like, oh, I can't see from the door. Open the door. <laughs> See the sound music going on. That's Sandy Lonzo Balls did die. Uh, Ball, Balls passed away. Yes. Um, he actually passed away. Um, I was on. I was on the show with. Uh, Ken Anderson, somebody else, I think, maybe Sean Devine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we was both on air. Middle of my interview with Ken Anderson, I think it might have been just Ken Anderson that night. But um, am I in the middle of my interview? No, I thought it was somebody. Let me see. Um, so let me see. Pony. It was. It was the same. It was in the middle of the interview. Mm-hmm. We found out. April 12th, 2016. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Um, April 12th, 2016. <clears throat> April. I got I mean, I'm, I'm going to go back and see. When, um, hold on a second. I'm gonna go back and see when that was. So it's back in 2016. Um, yeah, if y'all got Google Podcasts, go uh, subscribe to uh, subscribe to my stuff in Google Podcasts because it is showing like all of my stuff way back. Um, it was yeah, it was Ken Anderson, April twelfth, two thousand sixteen, and uh, it was the one. Actually, I'm about to, um, I'm about to send y'all this link. Um, we actually were like, man, we found out that uh, Ken Anderson died. <clears throat> what to send y'all this link? So go pop. Let me see. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's uh, <clears throat> here's the one that found. Uh, I was in the middle of interviewing Ken Anderson, <clears throat> and 
we found out that uh balls mm-hmm. Muhammad died. Yeah, <clears throat> crazy. I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you a crazy date too. I'll t- I'm gonna say this date, you're not gonna recognize it until I mention what happened. Uh, July 29th, 2018 <clears throat> was a Sunday. Uh, I met my aunt's, uh, she was getting ordained, uh, she was getting elevated to be a, a mother, um, like a um, my, she was already a mother at the church, like advanced mother. And we know how it is when we get certain phone calls from the boys. This is Sunday. I'm in church. And my phone is ringing off the hook, vibrating. And I see Oscar call, you know, from Men on a Mission. I see other people call. Conrad, people text. I'm like, what happened? First thing, Brickhouse Brown died. So like, okay, Brickhouse Brown. Remember, earlier Brickhouse had died, but he came back to life. Remember? Thought he was dead in the hospital. Came back, he lived for another week. <clears throat> then an hour later, get another phone call. And speaking of which, not Bill Dundee, but his son Jamie Dundee texted me. I'm like, what is going on? Jerry, uh, Brian Lawler died. Mm. And then it was a third wrestler because remember, in the span of four hours that Sunday, three professional wrestlers died. It was Brian Lawler. Um, we got funny Brian Lawler story, Brian Christopher um, story. Um, Brickhouse Brown. I can't remember who else died that day. It was like an older wrestler. Uh, yeah, there was some. Brian Christopher Brickhouse Brown. So Brickhouse Brown. He died, and then those weren't true. He, he actually weren't dead, and then and then he ended up. Dying. Yeah, he came back to life that earlier, and he lived for a week. Yeah, yeah. Brian Christopher died an hour later, and then who was the third wrestler that died? Yeah, it's gonna bug me. Um. Uh, why you do? Let me see. I, I do want to play this real quick because I found when I found where it was, and we got like five minutes, so I'm gonna look, we're gonna take like a zoom talk about the uh, talk about for those uh, for those who have next week we're gonna do something straight from the network. So for the for the last hour, we're gonna, I'm gonna do my best try to kind of truncate everything in an hour, and then for the last hour, I wanted to just watch an hour of something uh on the network live i'm not going to play on the network but i'm going to have everybody push play on a particular event a particular uh, and we're going to watch it um so get the network it's you know i was free you know what i mean there's a free tier so let's get the network and we're going to watch watch something so let me know what y'all want to watch next week we're, we're going to watch an hour of it um so yeah oh nicola vocals Okay, so cool. All right, so here is the show where um, we found out the boss Mahoney died. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Man, I hate to be a buzzkill, but I just got word that boss Mahoney passed away. Oh, yeah, just heard about that. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, that's really uh, that. That's yeah. That's uh, startling. I, I just saw him. I just saw him about. I want to say eight or nine months ago, mm-hmm. on a show, out on the East Coast somewhere. I can't exactly remember where it was, but you know, he had his kid there, a young young son. I believe he was about ten years old. So just sad. Wow. Sad. 
Yeah, wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <clears throat> crazy, crazy. Yeah, it was quite sad, man. Good dude. I, I can only go by my interactions with him. Talk to everyone in the locker room. He gave everybody pointers. Um, his wife was, was, you know, God bless her heart. You know, I pray for her, her and her son. Her son. His, son his son was nice. He just was, you know, being a typical boy, running into everything. Yeah. Um. His his wife was a sweetheart, and Walls was a good guy. I can't speak on the ECW days and stuff, but you really don't hear a lot of bad talk about Balls. You know, I'm a really good buddy with Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. And a lot of ECW guys, uh, my man um, Danny Doran and a lot of the uh, Too Cold Scorpio, somebody else in type, a lot of the ECW originals, you don't really hear yeah. um, anything bad about Balls. Yeah. Chair shots. Yeah. yeah that... All right, we got a few minutes left, so uh, let's jump right quick. We want to. So, so without further ado, headlines, here we go. All right, so we really only have a few minutes, so I want to zoom past it. But before we go, before we go, I, I, I do want to play this one more time. Wow! That's my life! That's my line. That's my line. That's my line. That's my line. Come on. Come on. Let's do it. That's Flair's line. He spoke about 10 of Flair's lines. That's my line. That's my line. That's my line. That's my line. It's my line. It's one of the greatest segments. Not only TNA history, but pro history. One of the Funniest segments in all of pro wrestling ever. Uh, just real quick thoughts on uh, Backlash. What do you have? Uh, I give it a B, man. I thought Backlash was very well done. Uh, the tag division, what the what in the world was that? It had some good stuff. Uh, was that Shaquille O'Neal was the big ninja? No, he's uh Nigerian. His name Nigerian is guy. Jordan, Jordan something. I don't know. But um. Overall, Backlash surprisingly was a solid pick of view. I thought the Nijax afraid that Oscar didn't get hurt. Um, I, 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 it was not a bad match. I thought everything there was solid. Joe's really good on commentary, and it wasn't the greatest match ever in history. And I ain't on time, but it was it was pretty darn good. It, it was very good. I agree. The greatest. Yeah, it was tricep. You can see that. Definitely. It, well, he actually tore his tricep. Uh, in a set of tapings, uh, like so, they were doing not not a set of tapings, but they were doing some spots. As far as I heard, they were doing some spots uh, after the match. So the match was already over, and then he tore his tricep, so he'll be gone oh. for about eight months. So, uh, no, it's looking like about early April if he has a chance. So he might he might make it back before Mania. Um, so yeah. He only had a few days a few dates a year anyways. Um so it's not like he was going to it's not like he was like a major player as far as weekly, but it's, it sucks that yeah, he'll, he'll be gone. Uh yeah, I think it was I think it was solid. Um tag match was uh was decent. Uh it was okay to start it off. Um happy to Andrade uh uh loss. Yeah. <laughs> Captain <clears throat> Oscar and Jax was uh, eh, 
It's all right. As good as it was going to get. Solid match. Uh, Strowman against Miz and Morrison was a you know was a throwaway. That was funny. The, the music video. You yeah, know, I love Morrison. McIntyre and Lashley was a good match. Very solid. I didn't like. I didn't like the ending. Why you got the Lana in it? Yeah, Lashley. I think I, I think it protect Lashley. I, I'm cool with it because it yeah. protects Lashley. Um, yeah. Orton and Edge was uh was it was a really good match. About 45 minutes long. It was it was pretty good actually. It was a very solid match. The tag segment was yeah it was cool. Intermiss. I'm cool with Akira Tozawa doing his ninja thing. I'm, that I'm, was funny. I'm sure, he likes it because he was just some kind of bland character for a while you know he was with titus worldwide i thought that was funny but he was just by himself and it was just bland you know but now he's got something you know there's something affiliated with him character wise yeah solid solid show definitely uh definitely wasn't the greatest show wasn't the greatest match ever but uh some highs some lows all right real quick wwe postpones tapings due to COVID 19 positive tests so there was a uh our developmental talent tested positive for COVID. Um, so, I mean, they postponed it to, to do correct, so to do proper screening, to do proper um, uh, testing. So we should be seeing um, temperature checks and, and, and proper testing with other personnel coming up and they want to be precaution. And I'm thinking like AEW does testing. I mean, like, as much money as WWE have, you can't just you know have your medical doctor uh, take a swab and put it up somebody's nose. You know, it's <laughs> not going to happen until it's one like of the big boys get it. You couldn't do that much. It's kind of crazy. A, and then everyone's telling people like, you know, take a mask and if you don't wear a mask, and I mean, if you do wear a mask, you're not a wrestling fan, and you're you're goading people to. Uh, Kevin be- Dunn. You yeah. sit your butt behind a production truck. How many days of the exactly. week? Put your finger on the screen. Right, right, shut up. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Right, shut up. Yeah, All right. Uh, next, we have uh, WWE Pulls Jackson Riker uh, due to a controversial uh, social media post. A good call from them. I think it was really. Is that the dude that was uh, that Kevin Owens went off on on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jackson. Well, he used to be Gunner in TNA. I actually interviewed him. He was decent. Hey, Gunner. Yeah, ah, I forgot about him. So yeah, I mean that's uh that's that. So all right, let's do it. Uh flavor of the week, real quick. Here we go. It is now time for the flavor of the week. All right, so um Went to went through a live watch party with Russ Forty Nine, but that conversation with Shane was just really good. So, uh, uh, it, it was. We talked about we talked about last week uh, most of it, but I do want to do a watch party with Russell Ward, specifically the, the moment uh, when Flair turned on. Um, <clears throat> when turned on Flair. So next week, this is what we'll do. We'll 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 take it from there and watch like the last two matches. And I in my head, I'm thinking like the title match wasn't the main event. And so like I never knew that. Why no right, right? I forgot all about like I, I didn't I never, I, we never knew. That. You know what I mean? Like that this this really wasn't the main event. So what we're gonna do next week is we're gonna take it from there. We're gonna watch that match, the flare match, and then we're gonna watch the turn. And oh, they're yeah. going to watch two matches after that, the tag title match 
and you, the U.S. tax so nasty. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna just kind of survey and like uh, these two matches. Were, were these two matches really worthy? Um, being above the 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 uh, title match and the turn from Terry, so that's what we'll do next week. We'll, we'll watch the the last uh, last three matches of Russell. The, bad, the bad thing is, you and I, I, I know for me, you too, we've interviewed about half of the people in both both in matches. <laughs> Animal, Dan Spivey, yep. Kevin Sullivan, uh, Hawk is going on to glory. Who are we missing? Uh, never. I, I met Rotunda once. Rick Steiner. Yeah, talk to Rick and interview him. I'll talk to him. Uh, uh, just it. Who, who we miss? Missy Hyatt. Still around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see who else was in that. I'm gonna see who are in the, those matches and see if I can bring somebody uh, next week. So, oh man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know I sent you the video on Facebook. I was texting you. Yeah, I was working watching it, and I just was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> and sad for Richie Richie Jr. You know he can't wrestle anymore. Yeah, because of his neck. And then see oh yeah, I was, be, I was supposed to be interviewing Ranger Ross. Right, I was supposed to be bringing him Ranger Ross. I forgot about that. So. Ranger Ross. Yeah, he got arrested. I didn't, even know, I, didn't, I didn't even know he got arrested in '96 and served. Remember I mentioned? Yeah, remember I mentioned it? Yeah, he did. I was like, what in the world? What? Doing hard time, boy. Yeah, all times. First of all, uh, let's talk about the greatest shoulder block in history. Your man, bitch, Reed. That was a. Which read that shoulder block? Oh yeah, that, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that, I popped for that. It was lethal, man. <laughs> yeah, cool. So next week we will uh, we will watch the last three matches of Russell War. So we're what we're all gonna do is we're gonna do a timestamp. I'm like go here to the hour and three minute mark in 20 seconds, and then I'm gonna count to three. We're all gonna push play at the same time. And then we're all going to watch the network. You guys are going to watch the network, <clears throat> the PNP Nation. You're going to watch the network wherever you are. And then Evan's going to watch it, and I'm going to watch it. And uh, and uh, of course, <clears throat> um, you know, of course, I'll, I'll have my sound, so I won't be echoing. So um, whatever that needs, this mo- as long as there's no echo, I, everything comes through my uh, headphones anyway, so I won't be playing. Um, so. That's what we're gonna do. Watch the last three matches at Wrestle War next week. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, all, all the way back just to see the Nikita Koloff buzz cut. In he the looks so <laughs> be small, man. Very him. small, yeah. Be interviewed by Joe Pettisino. So <clears throat> I forgot all about that. Ted O'Connor, he died a year after that. Yep, yep. All right, y'all. This was fun. This was lots of fun. Great conversation by Shane Taylor. Uh, looking forward to Russell oh, Wilson, uh, next next week. Uh, the, the the watch party. PP Nation closing thoughts, which I got over at the chat. Um, my man Shane, this is a good buddy of mine. Interviewed him a few times. Good family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good guy. Lethal, so good at imitation. He is. He's. He's really good. That's that, that. That's something to watch. I had times I was down. It was WCW, Lonzo. Uh, yeah, right NWA. Yeah, under NWA for network. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, y'all. Uh, going to the ring fifty times. Uh, we gotta go.
Chris, take us home with us say on behalf of 429 episodes, baby. This is Kevin Tech Prout to the yeah. right of me, ladies and gentlemen. I am Chris, the yeah. American Dreammaker, Featherstone, baby. Follow me at Chris Prolific. Follow him, Kevin Tech Prout. Evan underscore. Uh, UTMR was it ever was it underscore UTMR baby that's how you're a wrestling fan uh show me some love on the Patreon y'all know what I'll do for the show every single week we I bring in uh uh, interviews every week for y'all because I do it for you. Show uh, me some love on the Patreon. You get a nice shirt. You get a, a nice uh, PNP shirt for three months on the top tier. Six months, you get a wrench mob shirt. Uh, so, and I'm actually going to be opening up um, after we do the interviews. Uh, I'm going to start opening up um, sharing private links to people to actually have them be uh, co hosts with Evan and I. So, uh, so, uh, Hit the Patreon, and uh, you'll be able to be a co-host on the show after a certain amount of months. Maybe six months, uh, you'll be able to do that. Uh, there must be a... Uh, <laughs> she went here. Uh, you, know, you know we don't use a profanity. You know it's PG. Uh, she went here on it. My bad. I apologize. We've got to go. We are the show. Time. We need a... No, 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 no. Not like this. Uh, <laughs> Not like need this. that fade. <laughs> need that fade button. The little black the nitro. Yes, yes. We fade to black. All right, y'all. It's been great. Uh, on behalf of Evan Tech Prout, uh, right there. I am Chris Featherstone. Uh, you're the other way. There you go. Just a minute. All right, y'all be blessed. Until next week, yeah, enjoy, your enjoy your week rest. And God bless. And always remember, I do it for you. Have a good night, everybody. Peace. We got to go. We're out of time. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.